0: Each evening during the week, KYUK presents a half hour of local, state, and national news translated into Yupik Eskimo. Because Yupik was not a written language, the orthography having been developed and introduced over the past nine years, news is prepared in English and translated into Yupik on camera.
1: (laughs) a numka am xelox texnolojii qanqut kaati salisu ataako am xeli am xeling texnolojii dalii meegintu an khaq khatni Fy axeio
2: Canyrhywabwydr
1: Mae duw done gan gywir yn edrych. Doedd e'n holl pan fyddaiarlwyd. It's time for KYUK Evening News. Stay tuned as we bring you the news of the Delta area, the state, and the nation. Now, here's the KYUK News Team.
3: Good evening, and welcome to KYUK's Evening News for this Friday, December 31st. New Year's Eve. Good
1: evening, I'm Brenda La Paz.
4: And I'm Rhonda McBride. Thank you for joining us for this Tuesday night edition of KYUK News.
1: The Kuskokwim fisherman strike is still on.
4: And it looks like yesterday's boycott put a dent in the commercial harvest in the lower Kuskokwim.
1: The strike also seems to be making a huge dent in the Bethel economy.
4: And personnel problems at YKHC finally come to the attention of the Native Health Corporation's board.
1: Also tonight, I'll have the latest softball scores. These stories and more, now tonight's top story.
2: K-Y-U-K,
4: in your ears for 50 years. K-Y-U-K, in your
2: ears for 50 years. Chumai, and welcome back to In Your Ears for 50 Years. I'm Gabby Salgado. Last week, we dove deep into the importance of bilingual broadcasting with Cecilia Martz, Trimnick, and Julia Jimmy. In this week's episode, we're taking a look at at TV News with reporters from the past. KYUK is the longest-running, native-owned, bilingual radio station in the nation. For 13 weeks this summer, we are taking a look at the people and history that helped make this station. Before we jump into this episode, I just want to remind everyone to rate, review, and subscribe to this show and other KYUK shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and NPR One. Although KYUK was started as a radio station, television at KYUK grew into something that went above and beyond what was expected of a small station in rural Alaska. Live TV news was a daily event that brought people together and that people came to trust. This week, we sat down with four former TV reporters, Rich Trotto, Rhonda McBride, Adolph Lewis, and Elena miller Olron. They talk about what it was like working in TV, what it was like creating daily TV newscasts, and what it meant for them to work at KYUK.
0: Well, yeah, my name is Rich Strano. I worked at KYUK for almost 15 years. Um, and during the eighties uh, and nineties.
2: In nineteen seventy five, Rich came up to Bethel on the Husky Two with John MacDonald, Bev Hoffman, and a handful of others. He had come up with them for the summer and at the end of the summer went home. After coming up to Bethel to work as a fish processor for a few summers, a job opened up at the Tundra Drums as a photographer. Although the initial job was part-time, it didn't take long for Rich to become a full-time photographer and eventually become the full-time sports reporter for the drums. Rich joined the KYUK team in the early 80s after volunteering to run the camera for the first fundraiser.
0: But yeah, but we were doing live news and um, I I think it was then it was, I think it was a half hour each, half hour English, half hour Yupik, and then it then, then we cut it back, I think, to 15 minutes each. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it an was, um, interesting time. I didn't do any on-camera stuff um, for, for news. I did for some other stuff later on. But um, for news, I really didn't do any on-camera stuff. Mostly, I just um, worked... Um, you know, shooting the news stories and um, editing them, putting them back, you know putting them together, and then working in this in the uh, studio either running the camera or working in the control room. Um, so that was mostly what I what I was doing, and writing news stories. I was writing news stories uh, all that time. Also, I had some stories that I was editing while the news was starting up. <laughs> So yes, it, it was it was a short turnaround time. Um, I mean, for some things, you know, some things go long, but um, you know, if it was any kind of you know breaking news or um, you know maybe an interview we had to do later in the day or something, um, you know, you'd wind up you know editing like crazy right up until um, broadcast time. Sometimes the uh, um, News director. I think um, I had a couple of news directors. Um, Janet Chance was news director for a while uh, there, and then we had a lady named Patty Harper who was the news director. And you know, I they would be running into the editing room. Is that done yet? <laughs> and you know, you'd be editing like crazy. But yeah, it was it was it was pretty. Um, you know, some days, you know, it was just pretty intense, and then some days it wasn't.
2: From the intense to the mundane, Rich saw it all. And he couldn't get enough of it, but nothing quite compared to KYUK's live TV fundraisers. Not only because they were exciting, but they were also critical to the station's livelihood.
0: Um. Well, you know, I, I can't really think of many breaking... I mean, we had stuff, we had plane crashes, all kinds of stuff. Um, But, um... One time I got um, busted by the, um, the airport crew for running out. Uh, there was a, a very unfortunate accident. Plane took off and crashed at the end of the runway. And um, I grabbed my camera, <laughs> put it in the Bronco, drove right out. This was in days where you could kind of go out on the runway um, and, um, but I wasn't supposed to, and you're supposed to ask permission and everything. I just drove out there. You know, I was just like, I, I gotta get out there. And, um, I got the video and everything, but then the, the airport people showed up and escorted me off, <laughs> off the tarmac there. Um, but so, so there, I mean, there was some stuff like that, but I, I think, you know, I mean, the, the K300 cost you know, was always a big deal and a lot of fun to cover and, um. You know, we talked about that um, before it, it was just um, just a really unique experience um, and you know it was one that you know really made you made you bring out the best in what you could do you know I mean um, you're out there sometimes especially if you're out on the trail you know where you have to figure things out for yourself things go wrong can't call the engineer <laughs> um, and that was fun. But I, th- I think one of the best things about um, KYK during the time I was there were our live fundraisers. The nightly news, you know, you got a camera sitting on somebody and then you switch to the video. And it's, with this, it was, you never knew what was going to happen, you know. And um, you, had, you had an act on stage that was, you know, you know, really good. And and so you started, you know, doing things, you know, close-ups and whatnot and zooms and all that. And um some of it probably wasn't that good <laughs> <laughs> as far as um, video you know video wise, but but most of it was. And then it was a lot of fun. So I, I, I think that was I think the fundraisers were one of the most unique things um, and most fun things about KYK. Um at that time with the legislature and everything, um it was I think the handwriting was on the wall as far as the TV station was concerned. Um, and um you know, we just weren't wasn't. We had been zeroed out in the budget, you know, two or three times. <laughs> Luckily, we had a governor that saved us. But, um, um, so you know, I kind of knew that it was winding down, and and um, we uh we wound up uh, moving. But I always I always miss those days. I had a great time there. Um, I loved that I was able to. You know, I have a radio show. I had two radio shows. I had a morning show, Saturday morning. No one wanted the spot, so I got it. And, um, and then after that, um, Peter Twitchell had a show on Friday afternoon called Giza Rock. And, um, and when he left the station, then I took it over.
2: Rich eventually became the news director for KYUK, but it wasn't the job for him. He enjoyed the actions of filming the stories and being out in the field, but he wasn't able to quit until he found the right person to fill the job.
0: Now, I was news director for two years, um, after Patty Harper left, um, but I I gave it up because I didn't like. I was in the office all the time. I wasn't doing news. I wasn't doing videography. I was just, you know, pushing papers around. <laughs> telling people what to do and and it wasn't really that much fun so I told Jerry Brigham that I you know I wanted to go back to production and he said that I could but I had to hire my uh, replacement and so I you know so I went through the things through the process I put out ads and everything and interviewed people and interviewed Rhonda and she was just you know Perfect, you know. I mean she she had the experience that we didn't have, you know. I mean we we did it, you know, we did it our own way. It it wasn't, you know, maybe how they normally do it in newsrooms, but but she really brought the experience and the professionalism to it.
4: So my name is Rhonda McBride and I came to KYUK in the fall of nineteen eighty-eight to work as news director. Jerry Brigham was the manager who hired me and basically my marching orders were to make the news department more like other news departments in the lower 48 more professional and so I interpreted that very differently than perhaps people in the newsroom (laughs) were thinking you know that because they had never worked in a lower 48 newsroom, especially our Yupik staff. And so I don't think that was their idea of what they thought should happen, that they should be more like a lower 48 newsroom because there was no way (laughs) that that would happen. And I don't even know in hindsight if that would have been a good idea, but those I thought were my marching orders. And one of the first things I recall is at that time we did TV at KYUK and We had a set and there was 15 minutes of Yupik news, 15 minutes of English news. And I noticed that people were quite casual, that they wore t-shirts and all kinds of uh, casual clothing. And of course I came from an environment where anchors wore suits and ties and, and women wore makeup and, men as well. And I think think what it was is I said, okay, yes, Alaska is casual, but we're not going to wear t-shirts with writing on them. So if you're going to wear a t-shirt, make it plain with no writing on it. And if you can, wear a dress shirt. And it, it made no sense to them. And I said, well, you know, when you talk to people and you're delivering sometimes bad news or difficult news, it's kind of nice to be dressed formally if you're going to deliver this news and have credibility. But of course, you know, wearing makeup and earrings and all of that stuff had absolutely no credibility in the bush. I mean, (laughs) it made no sense at all. But of course, I didn't get that at that point, because I was applying my lower 48 thinking to KYUK news, and it wasn't logical at all. And I began to see that over time. Uh, And we had a lot of philosophical differences about how to tell the news. Uh, And I was always trying to move the news department, especially the Yupik news department, more towards writing stories, AP style. And I don't think that's the way stories are told in Yupik. And later on, I Came to realize that by getting to know John Active and other Yupik staffers who really had a good command of their language, even Lillian, uh, that, that there was a different way of storytelling. And in some ways, I think their way of storytelling makes more sense in hindsight because it truly respects people. And it truly tries to tell the whole story. And I think those are good goals that are missed in Western journalism.
2: Rhonda came to KYUK from the lower 48. She had the experience of working at radio and TV stations. She was familiar with what a newsroom could and should feel like. But coming to a small town where the subject of your story is your neighbor, or you could easily run into them at the grocery store, was something she wasn't really prepared for.
4: I think one of the key differences is when you work in an urban community, even in Anchorage, you don't often know the people, see them in the grocery store, pass them on the street. But in Bethel, you know everybody that you're doing a story on. And so it makes it hard to have that kind of distance. And you have to really struggle to be impartial in a story and filter lots of things. But if you said, I can't do that story because I know that person, or I have a connection with them, you'd rule out most stories you could do in Bethel. So that is a challenge. But I think it's also a very powerful thing is that because you have that direct feedback when you go to the grocery store and somebody doesn't like a story you've done, you hear about it right away. And you know, I used to get phone calls from a certain Bush character <laughs> rough around the edges. John McDonald will know who he is. But he used to call me Rhonda McBridey, uh, six sheets to the wind, <laughs> every couple of weeks and just rant about what I did and didn't do. But uh, And he knew where I lived and, and he knew... What I you know how to reach me and that that is part of being in a small town, but I I, I did look forward to to being called Rhonda McBridey and read the Rocket Act <laughs> by this particular person who is no longer alive but certainly added a lot of color and he was part of some colorful stories and I think that Bethel is the mother lode of so many great stories and. No matter where you've worked in a larger community outside Alaska, there is gold to be found in the stories in Bethel because so much is happening in the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta, so much as far as culture, language. I remember when Rich Trotto hired me, he said, this is a place with international stories. And he was absolutely right. Just in the first couple of years I was there, there was, of course, uh, debate over fisheries, international fishing fleets, fishing in an area called the Donut Hole, and they would, in those areas, take all kinds of fish, intercept fish that were destined for their home fisheries, and cause severe shortages of fish. So that was one of the international battles, international treaties involving bird migrations, uh, there's also Russian relationships. In the first couple of years that I was there, uh, there was a lot of effort to reconnect with uh, Russians in uh, Eastern Russia that were once part of the Soviet Union and Bethel had a sister city. So, there, so it was really amazing the kinds of stories. And, and I look at the stories that are being done now by Greg and and others at KYUK, and they're really national stories. When, when you talk about Greg's work on climate change and the impacts uh, on some of those communities being the first to have to physically move, there are wonderful stories all the time in Bethel. And I guess that's the only thing, thing that I regret is I left too soon, <laughs> too many. But I did get to come back through Frontiers and uh, a program that I hosted at KTVA. And basically, it was a chance to put everything I had learned at KYUK to work, all the lessons that John Active taught me, Lillian Michael, Alexi Isaac, Adolph Lewis. I, I was very lucky. I had some good teachers when I was at KYUK.
1: My name is Adolph Lewis. I was born and am still living in Grigal, Alaska, just like 70 miles southwest of Bethel. I first started working, uh, just fresh out of uh, high school, back in the middle '70s. I was I was young, and at the time. Uh, A guy named, uh, Andy Edge, um, was, uh, was a general manager then. I was young and, um, I was young then and, uh, I didn't work long. I got homesick. I wanted to come back to Quig at the time and, uh, I was only there for like, I think three, four months, um. And that, that was my first time um, getting uh, my feet wet on broadcasting.
2: In the early 80s, Adolf came back to work at KYUK, this time as a Yupik news reporter and translator.
1: Yes, I was a Yupik news reporter. I read uh, news translated, uh, on site translating. Uh, and that's what we did. Uh, none of none of the uh, uh, news, UPIC news, was written in written in our dialect. We just uh, we just translated on site um, all the news reports we um, aired live radio, and then when um, TV came along, TV news, uh, that's exactly what we did. Um, my co workers and I, um, we uh, reviewed our news like 15 minutes uh, into airtime. Um, and I never realized that there was a lot of uh, elders listening uh, listening in in Bethel, right there in Bethel, and uh, uh, surrounding villages uh, in the Bethel area as far as to the coast where uh, KYUK uh, airwaves were picked up. Um, it, it was challenging at first, but as... Uh, um, we got, I got into the practice, it became, um, a little easier, uh, for me, uh, as a reporter. Lillian, the late Lillian, uh, not Michael Now, uh, was, uh, the director of Yupik News. And her and Alexei Isaac, and when John, uh, active, I uh, came around, uh, they were my mentors, um, they encouraged me, we we worked together as a team, we worked together as a family.
2: Adolf wasn't only on TV, you could also catch him on the radio, but which did he prefer, radio or TV?
1: I just liked doing the news, I had no preference, I after I became really comfortable, uh, doing, uh, translating, um, both, uh, I think that I might, be, I might've been more relaxed on radio, um, because that, there was no camera in front of me. There, there was just, uh, a microphone there and, um, just twiddling with, uh, knobs, uh, um, turning on uh, some, uh, I can't remember, uh, you know, in between uh, news, there's uh, some blurbs that we put on the air. Um, when I was doing, when we first started doing TV news, we were sitting, I felt like we were sitting there in front of the camera, like robots, because we were told by our by our, by the TV uh, camera director, don't move, don't make a sound, uh, don't do anything to make uh, background noises. So we, every time we uh, there was a pause, we just sat there, wait for the cameraman to uh, wave wave. You're off the air. <laughs> <laughs> so I we it was like that. Is but as time went on, um, it changed. It, it I to answer your question, I had no uh, preference. I just liked. Uh, I just enjoyed uh, translating uh, for the elders in the surrounding area. The the you know after after so many many years uh, I I was walking uh, my wife and I went to the store uh, one of the stores there and along came this young young uh, woman uh, who was a child at the time when we were doing TV news and she she was laughing and telling me a story. My appa, my grandpa, every time when TV news was going to come on, her appa would uh, make everyone stop playing in the house and have them sit in front of TV so he can concentrate on the Yupik news.
2: I asked Adolf what it was like for him to be speaking his native language on TV for the entire region. I wanted to know what it meant to him. This is what he told me.
1: I, you know, uh, ever since I started working, um, in in my work uh, experience, um, I was just out of high school when I returned from uh, short, short time work with uh, KYUK. I was hired as um a health aid here in Quig and I did a lot of translating uh then and it it's always it was and always still today uh is in my blood to help elders to help people who um have hard time uh, understanding english who have hard time uh speaking english um to be there for them I I was doing doing the same thing I I I, I just liked helping um helping our elders uh, to be on top of what um they need to know and I'm telling you this because generally what I, um, like doing, letting elders know, letting, um, helping, um, elders who can't speak fluent, um, English, um, who can't understand clearly, um,
2: Elena Miller Olron joined KYUK as a TV and radio host and translator in the 90s.
3: My name is Elena Miller Olron, originally from Napakiak, but I moved to Chivak, but occasionally come to Napakiak. After I graduated back in 93, I seen a Tender Drums. Ad. They were looking for a Yupik news reporter, so I decided to apply, and I got the job. I I translated live news on the radio, and at the time, I believe there was a 30... 30-minute live TV news, but I mainly worked with the uh, two-minute pre-recorded news that we did. So what was it like? Um, I've worked with KYUK for four years, about four and a half years, and I loved it. For me, we were doing a show for our audience of the YK Delta, especially for the non-speaking English elders that couldn't um, understand English. So it was an honor to, to work for the radio station.
2: Like Adolf, Elena felt proud to be creating content for the elders and the non-English speaking audience of the YK Delta.
3: It was, like I said, it was an honor to be translating for our non-speaking English audiences at the time. When I translated the news scripts and news to our people, I did it for um, our elders who couldn't understand and. It was both fun and exciting, and the talents that were uh, the people with that the people that I worked with had so many great talents in um, translating. So I learned so much from uh, the amazing news reporters at the time. That brought so much excitement, fun. And there were also stories that were very sad, but we still had to translate them, so... Um, But overall, it was mostly fun and exciting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) However, unlike Adolf, Elena preferred doing TV and being in front of the camera. Surprisingly enough, it was Adolf Lewis who helped Elena get over her fear, and make the experience more enjoyable?
3: I think I enjoyed more of the TV. Um, but at the same time, radio was also fun. Uh, it all depended on um, what kind of uh, atmosphere. And the people that were around to work with, there were many great producers, and news producers, and the the production was was really great to work with. Well, being on television was very frightening for me at first, but uh, like I said, I had great um, people. With towns that were um, training me at the time, I believe it was Adolf Lewis that first trained me. And I told him I'm scared, and he sat me down and he told me, "Look, pretend that you're translating for your grandmother or your loved one who does not speak English or understand English." So I put that in my head, and I sat down. And so when I looked at that camera, I pretended that was my grandmother who couldn't speak English. So that was very easy after that first um, practice. Uh, It got easier during um, my translating, so... Whenever I felt uncomfortable or nervous, I would picture my grandmother or my parents and made that camera into a loved one. So it made it easier, yes.
2: Elena felt the impact of her time at KYUK. Whether the story was one of sadness or a video of elder wisdom, Helena was able to take that lesson and use it to better her stories and her life.
3: Well, it was honor to do the words of wisdom at the time, and you asked me, was there a specific news that really that really touched me? I can remember the shooting at the BRHS. I, Rana McFried, believe I believe. We covered that story, or she mainly did the story, and it involved a student who shot, who killed two, the principal and a student. So that was a time of, of sadness around this region, but it also brought hope and healing to, to the people and the people that were affected I learned then of grief and sadness and also healing. So I will always remember that. And also the words of wisdom that I hardly hear on KYUK News anymore. We used to uh, air about. Two to five minutes, it depended on which news and how much news we had to, to translate. It brought, a uh, culture and tradition to our people, especially the, the young people, teenagers that would benefit from, benefit and learn from, um, Aripic culture. Well, I enjoyed working for KYUK, broadcasting TV and radio at the time. The people I worked with had very good vibes and so made it fun and exciting um, because I was able to translate for KYUK and learn so much about broadcasting and translating for our elders and the people in the YK Delta. I especially worked. Loved working with John Active. He had a great sense of humor. Also uh, many talents to Alexei Isaac, Ronna McBride, and the best boss I ever had, John McDonald, who was the station manager at the time. Um, we had a very nice team back then and still do I know KYUK is missing out on TV but you know we have a great uh, radio station here and I am very glad I was employed with KYUK for close to five years
2: Koyana to this week's guests Rich Trotto, Rhonda McBride Adolph Lewis, and Elena Miller-Oleron. This week's episode was hosted by Gabby Salgado. The tune version of this episode was hosted by Julia Jimmy. Producers for In Your Ears for 50 Years are Gabby Salgado, Kristen Hall, and Johanna Urich. Our theme music was performed by Bethy Whalen, Lisa Whalen, and Andy Angsman of the band Blue Whalen. Join us next week as we continue to look at live TV broadcasting with guest Tom Foote.